Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to another Anthem Online. We're doing something different. Uh, we are in the midst of the action. If you look around me, you can see this place is buzzing uh, with excitement. Um, we have our cafe open. People are enjoying coffee. Uh, we're glad that you are watching online from home. Uh, we're just about to get our service going, but before we do, we want to welcome you. Uh, we want to welcome those who are with us here in this space. We also want to welcome those who are viewing online. Hey, we are excited you are with us. Uh, we want to take this moment, just invite you to gather around with your family wherever you are and uh, just welcome the presence of God in this space as we worship Him. One thing we always say at Anthem is that God is here. He is moving. We believe that something can happen in this space this morning, but also where you are watching at, we believe that God can do something real. So hey, we're so glad that you are here at Anthem and we're just about to get going. So let's head on into the auditorium and kick off this worship service. Early one Sunday morning in 2009, a seven-year-old boy led police on a low-speed chase through Plain City, Utah. Did you hear about this? Uh, the, boy, the police tried to get the boy's attention by flashing their lights, but he refused to pull over. Instead, continued to drive very slowly through town. Now, the reason why he never sped up was because he was too short. He was too short to reach the pedals and look over the steering wheel at the same time, so he had to alternate between pressing the gas and popping up to see where he was going. Well, this very dramatic chase finally came to its conclusion when the little boy pulled into his own driveway, jumped out of the car, and ran into the garage. When the police asked him, finally asked him why he took his parents' car on this joyride, he, he responded that he didn't want his parents to drag him to church because, get this, it was just too hot to go to church. I think some of us can identify with this little boy's sentiment as it's, it's summer here in Loma Linda, and sometimes the weather hits upwards of 110 degrees. It can feel way too hot to do anything at all. Although I will say, sipping on one of those iced lattes from the Anthem Cafe does make things a little bit more bearable, right? And yet we've been asking you to do exactly that. Throughout this summer series, Project 242, we've been inviting you to get out and live out these discipleship practices. Practices like, like engaging with scripture in community, building community together, praying for one another, serving our neighbors. And can I just pause here for a moment and say how much I've appreciated the messages that my colleagues have shared over the past four weeks. Have you been blessed? Yeah. Amen. I mean, we've received such a powerful primer on what it is to practice these foundational discipleship practices. So if you missed out on any of those messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. They're all available online on our website. They're available on our YouTube channel. They're available on our new podcast. You can find them anywhere, right? So go out and listen to them because the next three messages in this series builds on the foundation built by their first four. Now, having said that, these practices are nothing new. Christians have been participating in these practices for centuries. And so for those of us who may have heard of these before, they can start to feel a little mundane, a little ordinary. And when they become inconvenient to participate in, we can start to wonder whether they're worth participating in at all. When it gets, 
when it gets busy, our lives get busy, when we get tired, when it gets too hot and we'd rather do something else, like head to the beach. We wonder, what difference do these practices really make in my life? Well, that's the question that we're going to answer over the next three weeks. See, Luke, in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 to 47, outlines three different responses, three effects that participating in this discipleship practices made on the early believers. And they still have the same effect on us today. And the first one, the first result of participating in these practices is found in Acts chapter 2 in verse 43. So if you have your, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up or you can launch the app, flip over to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 42 for context and then move into verse 43. All right? Luke writes, And they, that is the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So these four foundational discipleship practices, they engaged in them. And then, then as a result of participating in those practices, awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So Luke writes that awe came upon every soul. So the first response to a life of discipleship is awe. So let me ask you, have you ever been in awe? Have you ever experienced a moment that just shocked you out of your daily routine and left you in wonder? Maybe it was the first time you stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you realized how incredibly deep it was. Maybe it was the first time that you held baby in your arms and you realized how incredibly small she was. Or maybe, maybe it was when God moved powerfully in your life and you realized how incredibly big he was. And it woke you up and it grabbed your attention. Have you ever been in awe? See, those moments of awe are powerful because they provide a perspective that is normally lacking from our self-centered existence. Writer Jacob Needleman was present at the launch of Apollo 17. And he writes about the profound effect that awe had on everybody who was there to witness it. This is what he says. I was an observer at the launch of Apollo 17 in 1972. Now, for those of us, and I include myself, who are too young to remember Apollo 17, that was the last time that humans set their feet on the moon. So it was a night launch, and there were hundreds of cynical reporters all over the lawn drinking beer, wisecracking, and waiting for this 35-story high rocket. The countdown came, and then the launch. The first thing you see is this extraordinary orange light, which is just at the limit of what you can bear to look at. Everything is illuminated with this light. Then comes this thing slowly rising up in total silence because it takes a few seconds for the sound to come across. You hear a whoosh and a hmm, and it enters right into you. You can practically hear jaws dropping. The sense of wonder fills everyone in the whole place as this thing goes up and up. The first stage ignites this beautiful blue flame. It becomes like a star, but you realize that there are humans on it. And then... 
there's total silence. People just get up quietly, helping each other up. They're kind. They open doors. They look at one another, speak quietly and interestedly. These were suddenly moral people because the sense of wonder, the experience of wonder, had made them moral. See, that, that is the effect of awe. Wonder makes us better. Awe puts our lives into proper perspective. And according to Jennifer Steller, who is an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, this sense of awe and wonder is something that we all need, especially in this pandemic-scarred world. She writes, we share a universal problem right now. We're all busy and stressed and maybe even more self-involved because of the pandemic. Social isolation may be contributing to a tendency to ruminate more or even be narcissistic, which is related to ego. But experiencing awe can quiet the ego. Awe quiets the ego. Awe puts our lives into proper perspective. Awe reminds us that we are not the center of the universe, that the world does not revolve around us. And that's why we need awe. In fact, Many times we crave those moments of awe, moments when, when we feel appropriately small but a part of something incredibly big, moments when it's clear how great God is, moments when the problems that we obsess about constantly start to feel a little insignificant. We need those moments of awe. And yet too often, those moments are far and few in between. And that's what's so incredible about the experience of these first Christians, because they experienced awe continually. Luke writes that awe kept on coming upon these believers. It kept on coming. See, the, the, the verb that Luke uses here is in the imperfect middle tense, which if you didn't bring your Greek grammars to church this morning, shame on you, but if you didn't bring them to church this morning, it means that awe was an ongoing state. Awe kept on coming upon them. The same is true of the signs and wonders. The signs and wonders, the apostles kept on performing signs and wonders. See, this was not a one and done situation. This was a continual state. That thing that we crave, they experienced constantly. See, that is the first the first response, the first result of a life of discipleship, repeated awe. See, practicing these discipleship practices, participating in these discipleship practices, they, they open us up to awe and wonder. See, participating in these par- discipleship practices, it shifts our perspective towards awe. Because when we participate in these practices, we engage with God. And when we see God, we can't help but be in awe. I mean, just think about creation. Think about how awe-inspiring creation is. Think about how magnificent the world is. Astronauts talk about this all the time, that to view the earth from space is a profound and unforgettable moment. There's, there's not a single astronaut that takes a rocket up into space and looks down on the earth for the first time from orbit and says, eh, 
nothing special. And every single one of them is overwhelmed by awe. And God created it all. How could we not be in awe of our creator? And that's why Luke in the book of Acts always links the word signs with the word wonders. It's always connected because he wants his readers to understand that these wonders, the wonders that we see out in nature, the wonders that they experience through the miraculous workings of the apostles, they are all just signs pointing to the greatness of God. They are samples of the power of God. Anybody else here miss Costco samples? Man, I used to love walking around Costco and trying all the different samples. You could almost make a little meal out of it, right? Although that, that was never the point of the samples. The samples, the samples were meant to be a taste of what is to come. And that's exactly what these wonders are. They are a taste of the power of God to come. That's what the breathtaking sights of nature are. They are a taste of the majesty of God to come. And that's why in, in, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, King David wrote, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands because creation testifies of the creator. Can I say that again? Creation testifies of the creator. It's kind of like a painting. Nobody looks at a, a magnificent painting and, and marvels at the materials made to you, make them, right? We, we don't do that. We, nobody looks at the Mona Lisa. There's actually someone here named Mona Lisa that I met today. But nobody looks at the painting Mona Lisa and, and is in awe of the paint. We don't go, mm, I wish I had some of that paint because that paint is magnificent. Nobody asks, where Leonardo da Vinci got the canvas, right? Because, man, I, I wish I had that canvas. Mm, that canvas, magnificent. None of us say that. Because we don't marvel at the materials, we are in awe of the artist. And just as art shows the skill of the artist, creation testifies of the talent of the creator. So we don't have to manufacture these awe-inspiring moments for ourselves. All we have to do is get out of our heads long enough to see how he is already there. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she writes, Earth's crammed with heaven. I love that. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. God is all around us. We just have to stop plucking blackberries long enough to see him. And that's what these discipleship practices do. That's what engaging in, with scripture as a community, that's what serving our neighbors, that's what praying for each other, that's what building community does. It allows us to encounter God. And when we encounter God, we experience awe. So these ordinary practices open the door to extraordinary possibilities because through them, we encounter an awesome 
And some of you have already experienced this. Some of you have already engaged in some of these practices and realized how it can shift your perspective. I want to share the experience of one of our Meals on Wheels volunteers. She writes of how when she engaged in service, it changed the way that she thought. She writes, I've been helping at Meals on Wheels for about two years now. I thought it would be an easy way to help someone in need, no strings attached. What I found was a rewarding way to give back to people. I have some friends on my route now who look forward to seeing me every Wednesday. I'm always greeted with a hug and a smile and am invited into their home and share my life with them. I listen to stories about their past. I even helped one lady search for her glasses for an hour. What I've realized is this. I may be the only person that they see all day. God has put me in their lives not only to be of service, not only to be of service, but because it makes me realize each and every one of us is special. See, what began as a simple way to give back became an encounter with God that changed her perspective. So we have no idea the wonders, the awe-inspiring moments that are available to us if we'll just take the time to engage in these discipleship practices and meet God through them. So if we want a life full of wonder, not just momentarily, but consistently, if we want those moments where we feel appropriately small but a part of something incredibly big, if we want those moments where it is clear how great God is, moments where we are sure that God is working in our lives, then we must participate in these discipleship practices because through them, we encounter God. And when we encounter God, we experience awe. Throughout this series, we've been encouraging you to live out the principles that you've learned during these messages. So my live out challenge for you today is very simple. Engage in one of those four practices. One of those four practices that lead to awe. You can join a group, join a community to start studying scripture together. It could be one of our Sabbath school communities, or it could be a small group, or you could start a Bible study in your home, study scripture in community, or build community. Invite somebody out for coffee or lunch or someone to your home for a meal after church today. Build community, or pray for someone. Is there someone that God has placed on your heart to pray for? Pray for them. Or get involved in service. Serve your neighbors. Whether it's through a ministry here at the church, I'm sure Anthem has a lot of opportunities for you to serve. Or it's out in your community, you see someone who needs help and you volunteer and you step up and you do it. Get involved in these practices. I know they don't seem like much, but it is incredible what God can do with these ordinary practices and open up extraordinary possibilities. See, one of, my, one of my favorite stories about what God can do if we just give him a chance comes from a, an email that I received many years ago. It was a chain email. Any of you guys remember those chain emails? I'm looking at the older people in this crowd. 
This story came from that long ago era. But it is so poignant that it stuck with me all these years later. It's a story about a girl named Livy, who, while she was shopping with her mother, saw these pearls in a display case. And as soon as she saw them, she knew she had to have them. Because despite the fact that they were fake, they were the most beautiful things she had ever seen in her entire life. And so she turned to her mother and, and begged her, Mama, please, 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 could I have these pearls? And her mother said, yes, but you have to pay for them yourself. The price tag read $19.99. So as soon as Livy went home, she emptied out her piggy bank and counted out her money. She had $5.23, not enough to buy those pearls, but it didn't stop her. She did whatever she could to earn money, and when she finally had enough several weeks later, she went to the store and purchased those precious pearls. And from that moment on, she never stopped wearing them. She wore them at home. She wore them at church. She wore them at school. She even wore them to bed. The only time she did take them off was when she was taking a shower because her mom said that if they got wet, they might turn green. Well, Livy had a father who also read her bedtime stories before he, he put her to bed. So on this one particular um, evening, after he had finished the story, he asked Livy, Livy, do you love me? She said, yes, I love you, Dad. Can I have your pearls? She was a little shocked. She said, no, Daddy, I, I love these pearls, but you can have my horsey. It's a really cool horsey. I mean, the, the legs move and everything. The dad smiled and said, no, no, Livy, daddy loves you very much, kissed her and walked out. The next evening, after he finished the story, he asked again, Livy, do you love me? Daddy, of course I love you. Then can I have your pearls? No, not my pearls, but you can have my doll. It's a very special doll. I have had her since I was three years old. She's my favorite doll. You can have her. Her daddy smiled and said, no, Livy, it's okay. Daddy loves you. Kissed her on the cheek and walked out. On the third night, the scene repeated again. He read her bedtime story and then asked her, Livy, do you love me? Daddy, you know that I love you. I love you so much. Then can I have your pearls? No, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have my dollhouse. In fact, you can have my dollhouse, you can have my doll and the horsey for her to ride on. You can have all of it. That's how much I love you. Her daddy smiled and said, no, Libby, that's okay. Daddy loves you. Kissed her on the cheek and walked out. On the fourth night, things were a little different. Libby was waiting on her bed as usual, but the pearls were no longer around her neck. They were in her hands. And as soon as her daddy walked into the room, she offered the pearls to him and said, Daddy, I love you. And with tears in his eyes, he reached out and grasped those fake pearls with his hand and then brought out genuine pearls to place upon her neck. See, he had them the whole time. He was just waiting for her to give him a chance. And so it is with our God. We have no idea the wonders, 
the awe-inspiring moments that God has in store for us if we'll only give him a chance. So I encourage you, live out these discipleship practices because if you do, you may discover how awe-inspiring, how amazing, how awesome a God he truly is. Hey, what an awesome and inspiring message from Pastor Joey. Uh, It's so awesome to see what God is doing here at Anthem through the Loma Linda University Church. We're so glad that you could join with us. Hey, one thing that we always uh, love to do is what you see happening here in person, online, it takes a lot of resources, uh, a lot of uh, staff and personnel to, to keep this going. If you have been enjoying it, if you feel part of the Anthem crew, then we would love to have you support us. Uh, financially. There's a couple different ways you can do that. You can either text 77977, text LLUC 27797, and you'll be able to receive a link where you'll be able to give to Anthem, and that supports us in huge ways. Another way is to go to LLUC.org slash give. By doing that, you'll also uh, be able to select Anthem, and you can give directly there. And this is just a way that we can keep doing what we're doing, and not only just keep doing what we're doing, but also continue to grow. Before you leave, a few things we want to let you know about. On July 31st, we are having a album release concert, an album release show. This has been something that we've been a long time in the making. Uh, our creative team has come up with a, a, a beautiful album, beautiful music, and we're going to be showcasing that July 31st right here in our auditorium starting 6 p.m. You can pick up tickets. Uh, in link in our bio on Instagram or Facebook. Tickets are free. Uh, make sure to grab tickets. Uh, this is just going to be an exciting time of really seeing how God is working through our worship team. Also, to follow us and connect with us even more, follow us on Instagram, Anthem by L-U-C, Facebook or Instagram. Hey, we are so glad that you could join with us. Uh, It is just so awesome to be in the midst of the excitement, to be in the midst of what God is doing here at Anthem. We'll see you next week.